If you have enjoyed Baker Street 2033, why not consider supporting the second series? Go to ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. That's ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. Your support would be most welcome. Baker Street 2033. A future Sherlock Holmes mystery. The Glass Cryptographer by Neil Fitzgerald Episode 10 Further Curious Encounters with Oneself as a Fictional Entity Holmes, I beseech you to tell me what the meaning of all this is. You must prepare yourself for a shock so profound that it will make you cast doubt on the very nature of existence. We are indeed the creation of a writer's imagination. Conan Doyle conjured us into being in 1886, and we arrived in the public imagination the following year, when A Study in Scarlet was published in Beaton's Christmas Annual. Why, that title? Of course these titles seem familiar to you, Holmes said, anticipating my protest. They are your own, or so you were made to believe from the pen of our literary god. It is a most bitter pill to swallow. If it is any consolation, Watson, I have written nothing either. My monographs on different types of tobacco ash, the polyphony and the motets of Lessus, or bee culture, are merely titles and summaries, the whims of our maker. Holmes paused and looked at me. I see you are still unconvinced. He headed over to the Turkish slipper to refill his pipe and reached into his pocket for a match. After relighting his pipe and wreathing himself in a violet nimbus of smoke, he said, If ever there was a three-pipe problem, this is it. Watson, do you recall the adventure of the giant rat of Sumatra or the amateur mendicant society? Why, of course I do, I replied, somewhat exasperated. What about the... Aluminium crutch, or the red leech. Yes, I remember them all. Then would you kindly furnish me with details about this giant rat? All I can safely say, Holmes, is that it is a story for which the world is not yet prepared. Come, come. This is obfuscation, not elucidation, Watson. Pray, then, remind me of our adventures with the Amateur Mendicant Society. I seem to recall they held a luxurious club in the lower vault of a furniture warehouse, but I I don't seem able to. It's as though there were a void where the memory should be. That void is all too real, my dear friend. How could you know about something that never happened? Your creator never furnished you with further details. It was not written. I must have looked aghast because Holmes then issued some consoling words. It is a blow, a confounding, monstrous blow, and yet here we are, engaged on a case as if we had always been. So you see, there is a truth to this odd statement we see before us now on the wall. As fiction written into life, we are ageless and unchanging, existing only so long as there are eyes to read us and minds to imagine us into being. And now? Ah, yes. No. Now it's different, Watson. We have transcended fiction. We have become real, and not as characters acted out by some 
thespians seeking gainful employ. We are truly in the world, corporeally, just as we were written by this Conan Doyle. How and why we have now been incarnated into the world proper, I must confess, I do not know. It is a most vexing problem, and I cannot help feeling that the case of Alan Roosh is tangled up with it in some way. Holmes must have sensed from my pallor the mood that now violently engulfed me. It was as if the foundations which a lifetime had been built upon had suddenly crumpled into dust beneath my feet, leaving me with nothing solid upon which to stand. I was not married, not a doctor, and I had not written up a single one of our escapades, which, in any case, had never taken place. Neither was my companion the formidable mind and peerless consulting detective I had thought him to be. If not one moment of the past we had seemed to share had never occurred, who was I to him and he to me? How could I even call him my friend? I could feel bitter tears collecting in the corners of my eyes when I felt a hand pressed down upon my shoulder. But how can we even be friends, Holmes, if our past never happened? I feel as if everything we experienced together did happen, that you are my most steadfast companion and a brilliant mind. But this feeling, this knowledge, is nothing more than the writings of this Conan Doyle. Isn't all life but a fiction? And we live as if so much of it were true. That doesn't sound like your typical cold, calculating logic, Holmes. Perhaps this is the real me. Holmes smiled as of old. Only it could not have been of old, could it? There is a greater mystery here than the one we are engaged on, Watson. Something pertaining to the very nature of existence. Let us watch on and see if we can discern some of its mystery from these adaptations of Conan Doyle's stories. I shook my head. Not this one, Holmes. It has been stained by the revelations which it has brought me, and which makes me disinclined to see more of it. Perhaps you can offer a precy instead. He smiled benevolently. Of course, it is a strange alchemy that transmutes gold into base metal, but that is the case here. We exist anachronously in the future during the Second World War, and are in hot pursuit of a Nazi agent. His dismissive hand gesture suggesting it was all too preposterous to warrant any further explanation. Second World War, I exclaimed. I wasn't aware that there had been a first. So much for Rathbone and Bruce, Holmes said. On to the next contenders. Kindly bring up Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwick. Perhaps their adaptation of The Second Stain and The Sign of Fall. I did as requested, and illuminated the episode onto our impromptu screen. From the off, this was a vast improvement on the monstrosities that had visited our gaze earlier. The prelude was a montage of short dramatic episodes depicting life in the very streets Holmes and I had known. There were horse-drawn carriages, street urchins, and a bobby on the beat. The accompanying music was led by a violin, Almost certainly a nod to Holmes's predilection for the instrument. Why, this is much more like it. There is an actual tempted very similitude. Indeed, the pipes, the clothes, Mrs. Hudson's bountiful breakfast, even the wryness of the smile. It is all of a piece with our time in Baker Street, is it not? There were many exquisite touches of this ilk. At times it was like looking into a mirror into the past we had so long imagined to be real. 
but in preparing these films with their exactitude of costume and comportment, pipe stem and gaslight, had not the actors and directors also sought to bring this fictional realm out of pure abstraction into something more concrete? It was a metaphysical maze, and I wondered anew at the mind which had dared to go one further, bringing Holmes and I into corporeal existence. These dramatic interpretations are to be commended, are they not, Watson? Indeed, it is most gratifying to see the cases brought to life with such care for their particulars. They have surely had some aesthetic influence on my current appearance and mannerisms, Holmes said, admiring his own immaculate three-piece suit. I am bred down to a T, from the physical gestures, the hand flourishes and vocal mannerisms, to the slick back hair and twinkle in the eye. At times, it is like regarding myself in a looking-glass. The likeness is quite unnerving, Holmes. I, too, seem to have been gifted Hardwick's avuncular charms and rock-like dependability. This Watson is no bumbling psychic, but a vital warming foil to his cool intellectualism. There is a true partnership here, almost symbiotic. We glean how the one could not exist without the other. Quite so. Of all the Holmes and Watsons that exist... And they are legion, Watson. Legion. Brett and Hardwick represent the ne plus ultra, the absolute summit. I strongly commend you to watch the other episodes in the archives, for they mostly sustain this same high pedigree, though I should warn you that another actor plays you in the early cases in the execrably bumbling manner of Bruce. We finish the episode, and the side of a corpse that refused to play dead, but insisted on twitching with life, it was a most satisfying watch. I had to agree with Holmes that those stories, my stories, as habit dictated I still thought of them, had here been most brilliantly brought to life. Indeed, it was as though secret cameras had captured our exploits unbeknownst to us. Simply put, it felt like being home. I promised myself to see the other cases in the series, which would surely provide succour for a mind still all at sea. We come now to the modern era, or at least just before it, with two versions from the 21st century. We begin with the loud and violent excesses of Hollywood. Watson, kindly search for Sherlock Holmes, 2009, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. I had never known cacophony like it. Even the Afghan campaign seemed to pale in comparison to the hullabaloo and pyrotechnics on display. Good God! It's like something out of a boy's own comic, I cried. The era in which we lived was demarcated in the most preposterous way. Thick strokes of Victoriana applied with a coarse brush and scant regard for notions of historical accuracy. Displays of brawn were prioritised over those of brains, whilst the science of detection was a mere sideshow to the raucous bravado. As for ourselves, Holmes was a rather rakish fellow who was inaudible most of the time, and given to chewing the scenery with his dramatic excesses. His genius mostly seemed to involve verbal displays of quick wit, and was a far cry from the brilliant mind I knew him to possess. I had been cast as a dandy whose combat skills were almost equal to those of my friend. The appearance of the woman, Irene Adler, as both conspirator and colleague, and equally able combatant, was derisory, causing my friend to wince in discomfort. Whether this was because the actress bore not the slightest resemblance to the elegant lady we had known, I did not venture to ask. 
Finally, the mention of Holmes's nemesis, Professor Moriarty, and the outrageous calumny that Miss Adler was in his employ proved too much for my companion. Make it stop, Watson, I beg of you, cried Holmes. I cut the projection forthwith. We were less than a third of the way into the two-hour extravaganza of artillery and bonhomie. The fact that they made three of these monstrosities shows how little concern the public have for accuracy in relation to source material in this new century. Indeed, it seems they require a spectacle in place of a story. The triumph of entertainment, Watson. My companion shuddered visibly. It makes those romantic embellishments I used to accuse you of seem positively spartan. I smiled. I merely thought I was bringing them to life for the public's benefit. I see now how reality can be compromised by such fictions. But was it not fiction being compromised by fiction? I suppose. The multiple layers of composition and imagination are quite labyrinthine. To contemplate it makes one giddy. Quite so. Finally, we come to the last of our incarnations. A curious beast unlike the others we have witnessed. Watson, please call up Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Friedman in Sherlock... 2010 to 2016. The show is set in a London that increasingly resembled the one we now found ourselves in, with automobiles having wholly replaced horse-drawn carriages and the monstrous vertiginous structures having begun shooting skywards from the City of London. The Tower of London is dwarfed by these glass fortresses. There are portable telephones, computational devices and the advanced science of forensics which we had witnessed being utilised at Miss Roosh's apartment. Both Holmes and Watson dress in a modern style, but there are frequent nods to the historical sources from the titles themselves, Study in Pink, A Scandal in Belgravia, to the deerstalker hat that Holmes has become associated with. The authors have chosen to transplant these personalities and habits into the technology and verbiage of this century. So, whilst Holmes still plays a violin, he describes himself as a sociopath, a word I had not hitherto encountered, suggesting that my friend's cold calculating manner has now become a clinical mental deficiency. This is shown in the ruthless application of Holmes's observational skills to the circle of friends who orbit his rather remote existence, often causing them pain in a callous way that I have never known him to exhibit. Modern technology, however, does allow for these skills to be most excellently displayed. Watson, meanwhile, often appears as a blubbering sentimentalist, desperate to humanise Holmes and have him emote in some way, which he does in occasional lucid moments of his own awfulness. It was most galling to behold my apparent simpering neediness in this incarnation. Whatever happened to restraint? His brother Mycroft is a frequent collaborator in the cases, but is portrayed as an ambiguous civil servant of doubtful moral fibre. Naturally, Moriarty emerges as the mastermind behind the early crimes and comes to dominate the plot as the embodiment of evil. His portrayal is more risible than terrifying, however, since his juvenile on-screen impersonator takes Downey Jr.'s scenery-chewing skills to new lows and had us both cackling like a pair of hyenas. Of particular alarm were the sundry jokes made in relation to the nature of our friendship, the suggestion being of a relationship that would have been wholly illegal at the time Conan Doyle wrote. A most fanciful conceit, especially his use of a mind palace, was all Holmes had to say of the work. I guess these two will be looking for employment now that we exist, I said. I doubt it. 
Have you ever heard of an actor refusing work? cried Holmes. No, let them play on their fantasies, Watson. They are useful decoys for the public's mind to ponder. We have a real case to solve. Sherlock Holmes will return in Episode 11 Reconnaissance of the Virtual Kind If you have enjoyed this podcast, you might like to try others by the same writer and producer, such as Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir, and Modern Gothic. The writer now has a cracking idea for a second series of Baker Street 2033. So, you could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash Neil Fitzgerald. <laughs>